If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. McCullough, thank you for checking out Don't Look Back, a podcast where we take a look back at the mistakes we've made and talk about how good life could be instead. The premise is basically that I ask my comedy friends what they would have done if they could not have done comedy and what their first dream was, and then we then interview someone who does that now to see if we made a huge mistake by getting into show business, uh, because we need that reinforced for us. The anxiety isn't enough. My first guest is a good friend of mine. He's awesome. He has his own podcast called Hi something. Hi. What is it, John? You'll tell me later. Um, (laughs) It's John Gabris. He's very funny. I love him to death. And he wanted to be a FBI agent in high school. So we actually have a FBI agent lined up that we're going to talk to very soon. Uh, He's a 22-year-old veteran in the FBI, and he's obviously going to tell us all of his secrets. So uh, let's get started. Okay, John, thank you so much for sharing your dream with me on this podcast. Oh, this is just the... Tenth in a long list of dreams I share with you, Julian. Yes. Uh, so uh, you're John Gabris. You're a friend of mine and very funny and all that. And we did a show. Are you still on Guy Code? Uh, I am. I don't know if the show is still on the air. Oh, really? I, ostensibly, I'm, I'm still on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're my friend. You're very funny as well. Thank you. <laughs> That's how these <laughs> In start, In case you're right? wondering how I know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you don't do stand-up at all, right? I do at colleges for money. Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's from, from Guy Code? Yeah, yeah. You're I like, could, yeah, 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 I do stand-up. <laughs> I could do 45 minutes of asking kids what their majors are. <laughs> I can't do 12 minutes in an actual stand-up club. <laughs> essentially, that's what this show is, is like asking, you know, what, they, what you want to be when you grow up. So, um... So you, uh, what our audience doesn't know is that you actually thought about at one point being an FBI agent. And didn't you say someone in your family was in the FBI or something? No one in Law my family was in the FBI, but I, uh, my my brother-in-law is now is a cop, and I have some cops in fi- everyone I went to high school Because you look like a guy that's friends with cops or that has- I'm a- from Long Island where if you either get a job in the city or you become a cop or a fireman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You or in- g- become a cop or fireman in the city. You're from Copland. I'm from Copland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was Staten Island, wasn't it? Uh, it was but- a little small town in Jersey, right? It's oh, that was Maplewood, Jersey? New Jersey or oh, something like okay. that. Yeah. All right. But well, they're all Ginzos. Yeah. What we're getting at. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> how old were you when you thought you wanted to so, maybe get into the feds? So, an FBI <laughs> when I wanted to become an FBI agent, that was actually me making a more reasonable choice, a more <laughs> rational choice. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because I originally, from the age of like ten in through like 16 mm-hmm. thought I was going to become a Navy SEAL like I was like because <laughs> I was just so obsessed with them and I read all these books about Navy SEALs and yeah. by design and SEAL Team 6 all that stuff I read so much shit about them that I'm like oh I'm just going to do this and then but it became one of those things where as I learned more I was like I got more and more self-aware. Like when you're when you're 12, you're like That's I could be so anything. Funny. When yeah. you're 16 and you're like I can't even throw a punch. I don't think like <laughs> I I can't run a mile. I don't think I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. Do you know what my the breaker uh the the deal breaker was for me with Navy SEALs? It was the first time I saw that they get they're made to roll in the sand and on the beach <laughs> and like they can't wipe it off. I was like, "Nope, I can't get sandy. I, I can't hate do being sandy." No shake and bake for me. Yeah, that's the worst. So, okay, so you yeah, gave so, up Navy SEALs. So I good gave, job. So I gave up Navy SEALs and I was like 
like, and then I started doing like the most depressing, like uh, trying to uh, validate. It's not the right word, but I was trying to figure out what I could be. And I'm like, well. An FBI agent requires some intelligence, and I uh-huh. consider myself to be pretty smart. Right. I'm not physically capable enough to be a Navy SEAL. I'd probably yeah. be smarter than most of those Navy SEALs yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I'm like good with people because but you I'm- don't want to be a Navy SEAL and be too smart because right. then you'll yeah. start to question the directives. Exactly. Yeah. I have the, my mind is too great to be a special officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy who's on a podcast from two minutes in saying he's too much of a genius yeah, to be a uh, the, the highest elite soldier in the world. Yeah. So I was like, maybe. Uh, FBI agent or CIA or something mm. that's like that was you settling that literally that's what I'm looking for I settled for an FBI agent okay and uh, in case you don't know who I am or you're just hearing my voice uh-huh. I am six foot two three hundred and sixteen pounds <laughs> yeah but you're hot you're one of those hot big dudes uh, yeah so. I carry it well yeah, yeah yeah but not like carry it well yeah, he could still run a marathon no, well. no 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 or it could even be a you'd be you'd be a navy uh, walrus right <laughs> I could be but, a bouncer at a bar that the Navy SEALs hang out at and yeah, yeah, yeah. gets his ass kicked. They would, maybe. Love, they would yeah. love you. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So then I decided to be, I was like, I'm going to be an FBI agent. I mm-hmm. took uh, AP psychology. This is high school. So I uh, took okay. advanced placement psychology and I was like reading all these books about FBI agents. Granted, a lot of them were like Tom Clancy, like Rainbow <laughs> Six. They weren't even real. <laughs> yeah, like, they were like, but I, I was using, like I was like, I'd read like actual history, like case studies and stuff like that, but then I'd also read Rainbow Six and be like, yes, uh, hostage rescue team, that's perfect for Got me. It. <laughs> I should I should read this chapter twice just to get, okay. Well, in case they quiz me on this. <laughs> so the reason I think you found out about this story is because someone uh, on a podcast asked me, um, when I, like my oh it was on Doug Loves Movies I was talking about smoking weed okay. and I quit smoking weed in high school because I because heard <laughs> that FBI agent stays in your system right yo I heard that an FBI like someone somewhere maybe it was just a teacher going like I'll get this kid to quit okay. drugs yeah he was like if you have to take a lie detector test and if you've smoked weed more than seven times you can't become a FBI oh, agent oh god it was some <laughs> random number yeah like, so I was like I'm at like six now and I, <laughs> and I just quit weed until I, I love was, the idea that there's a machine somewhere that they can hook you up to and, it, and a number pops up of how many times you smoke <laughs> weed which by the way would be the single most popular weed paraphernalia item on the market oh, today like how people always if buy breathalyzers could... at sharper image yeah 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 <laughs> but if it could count how many times you've gotten high it, there would be one in every household <laughs> in America that also had a Bob Marley poster okay so um so how close did you get like what I when got, did you give up on this dream uh shortly uh, shortly okay. after I went away to school as a biology had major. you ever met even a cop at this point in your yeah, life? Yeah, I had met some cops. I feel like I had, I, I feel like I had met an FBI agent or some or someone had spoken at the yeah, school. They, I don't think FBI comes to the school, do right? They? I don't really? know. Someone who had a cool job like spoke yeah. at the school or spoke. I don't. I, I, I have no I idea. I can see DEA, maybe. Maybe DEA. Yeah. I, uh, that would have been terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah high school or yeah. DEA agent. Shows You're up. like, I've spoken about six times. I'm fucked. <laughs> Take me away, brother. <laughs> Um, so I went away to college and I was a science major. I was going to do biology or psychology. I was like, maybe for I the could. forensics part. Right. Well, I literally, <laughs> I literally was like, I'm pro- I, a lot of these guys come in with a background in law enforcement. Yeah, I'm going to come in with a background in science. You're going to be the brain. And then I also. <laughs> Freshman year started doing comedy. Like there was I'm just loving at how we think when we're when we're like eighteen to twenty one. It's so it's so even hilarious. just talking to my younger brother, he'll just say things like, Yeah, and then I get a job and then when I'll get that job, I'll just get an apartment in the city. And then once I have the apartment in the city, I'll probably just keep a car like in a parking lot. <laughs> and I'm like, Yo, I wish I could tell you how little this is going to work. I know. You, oh my God. you can't be told when you're you like You might as well be like, and then when Santa comes. Right. When you're eight, <laughs> from like eighteen to almost twenty five, you really really have no you're idea. A moron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if you start comedy when you're 22, you're like, "All right, by 25, I'll be on." I guess I don't I only want to do like four or five seasons of a sitcom. I don't want to get too funny cuz I still want to open for <laughs> Yeah, I want to get uh, get my chops and you John know, Mulaney. I still have dreams of opening. Yeah. I still have dreams of opening for John Mulaney. Yeah. hyper specific. Okay, so so you didn't get very close. You started taking classes in college. I started then... I started taking classes in college. I started doing comedy in college and I really enjoyed doing <laughs> You're <scary>. like, huh. <laughs> This is really fun. Is there a pot required? 
requirement and, and improv? And so then you started doing improv, I right? started doing improv yeah. and sketch. And then I started like retroactively going like, this actually could be a strong skill set for an FBI agent. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I told you how easy I'd be like... To be like a Donnie Brasco. Yeah, I'm like an undercover guy. Yeah. I can do characters. <laughs> as long as it's always a guy from Long Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope he's an Italian from the Northeast because I got you. <laughs> so what do you think... It really is like to be an FBI agent. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, what a day in the life of an actual FBI agent. I have thought about it. And honestly, I think it's less exciting than I pictured when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, because, do you? Do yeah. you think it might be less exciting <laughs> yeah, than yeah. your childhood dream of yeah. FBI? It's not all, I'm assuming it's not all rappelling down the side of a skyscraper with <laughs> a, a tr- silence MP5. In a trench coat yeah, and a fedora. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I have a feeling it's not a lot of like, well, we've got the number two of Al-Qaeda. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. talk to you. Yeah. Gabrus, it's your turn. <laughs> Use your improv improv background. <laughs> and your, and your one yes class yet. of science. <laughs> yeah. you, you took AP Psych and do improv right <laughs> perfect you're who we need to talk to the head of this terrorist cell <laughs> do you oh, speak Farsi oh god no I don't have time for that so what do you think it's really like though do you think they are in the field like because all the only TV and movies we see is they either they fight with cops or they're um, yeah it's like this is my crime or they're getting now, shot at yeah, 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 yeah. yeah or they're getting shot at That's I have the a feeling only... there's a lot more paperwork because there's got to be a lot of bit and not everyone is a field agent right? I'm not even sure what they're supposed to be investigating the most you know what I mean like you hear about the CIA how they're supposed to be international, but now it's all domestic. So I'm looking forward to finding out what is really going on. I feel like it's probably... Uh, a desk job for the most yeah, part and I also have a feeling it's like and I'm curious how many of them aren't desk jobs like who are the guys that right you know, how, there can't be there's gotta be a Donnie Brasco right there has it to be it can't be completely made up you know, well, that, isn't that based on a true story? Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> but how many guys are really out there doing that? It's, how many undercover guys are there? Yeah. Let's find so out what's and get day? their names. Let's get a burn notice going. We, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna ask you one more thing, and then we're gonna bring in our, our FBI agent. Um, what is a day in your life like today? Like, what did you, like, a typical Tuesday? You wake up, and what happens in your life? What oh. time do you wake up? Oh, okay. So uh, I'm on a current run of trying to wake up at like eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> okay, trying to get up by eight thirty yeah, or you know. eight. To try to get to the gym, or this is, but this is all new change. I could sleep till if, if no one touches me. I like if sleep. it at all doesn't feel good, you'll stop. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, there's the only pressure is internal pressure, and yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. give that much of okay. a fuck. Yeah. Like for example, today I woke up at uh, eight a.m. Hey. But I had eaten all day yesterday and smoked weed and watched football, so I was feeling a oh, little yeah, crucial. Low. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, you know, had. I, I left my house at I woke up at 8 a.m. and I got here by 11:30 barely. So, <laughs> just goes did to show you, you what my morning was like. Did you walk from Arizona? <laughs> no, I did. Yeah, three and a half hours door to door, and I don't know. I have no idea what I did. You couldn't even here. tell me what you did. Okay, so that's the kind of observational powers we need <laughs> yeah. for our FBI I, agents. I like printed up a script. I like read something else. And yeah, then I you're like the opposite of Jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> where like you could walk into a room and not notice anything. Anything that's in that yeah. room. Jason Bourne's trying to figure out his past. I'm trying to figure out my current location <laughs> as to my context clues. Yellow chairs. Is okay. this Earwolf? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think I want to meet. So, our guest today is uh, his name's Jim Sheehan, which is a perfect FBI name. Oh, uh, it's Camp. Irish. His real name. Yeah. Yeah. It's his real name. He's an FBI special agent. We're going to bring him in and we're going to find out what it's like if you, John, had become an FBI <laughs> agent. All right. So you're Jim Sheehan. You're a uh, FBI special agent. You have no business being here, and I really appreciate you coming down. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, thank you. And so, are you retired, or are you still in it? Oh, or no, are you I, allowed to tell us? Uh, I, am, <laughs> I am allowed to tell you, and I am retired. I've been, I've been out uh, ten and a half years now. Oh you, wow! Out of the game. Out of the game. Yeah. Uh, I'm too old for this shit. So do you? <laughs> on your last day, were you worried some big like heist was going to happen because you were like, "This is my last day." before my retirement and then you know like a lethal weapon situation it, it you never know when it's going to happen and yeah could it happen the five would, minutes before you uh, head out the door sure and would you stay to well, f- see it through absolutely really well up until five, even with the old lady waiting at home <laughs> well up until 5 p.m and then at 5 p.m uh you're out the door you're, you, you, you oh so you would stay till five that's not, they, that's not what i meant you're supposed to get a half day on your last day yeah, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll stay for cool they, they uh they take your gun away they take your credentials away you are a private citizen and now you need an escort to go to the bathroom wow <laughs> that's so funny um okay so how long were you an fbi special agent I did that 20, 
two and a half years. And then after I retired, the, the FBI brought me back as a contractor for another five years. So I worked for the FBI on a contract basis. Ah, like a, like black ops. <laughs> yeah. You We're going to say a lot of dumb stuff. In my head, you say contract. I immediately picture assassin. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. also maybe just any other job. Yeah, yeah. It might have been security at yeah, a like concert. Yeah, like an IT guy gets a contract from the FBI. That doesn't mean he's an what was What was the nature of the contract, well, if was, you don't mind me asking? Uh, no, I don't mind. And, and it's unclassified. It's certainly something I can talk about. But I Right, totally. Yeah, I worked for uh, one division of the FBI. It's a, it's a mouthful. It's called the uh, Criminal Justice Information Services Division. But mm-hmm. bottom line, uh, what I did, I came back working for the FBI training local law enforcement agencies on an inf- information sharing program that the FBI owned. And so I went throughout the western United States uh, training law enforcement at every level, local, county, state, and other federal agencies. So you you were the guy that was like teaching all the young – all the other guys to how to be the info guy, like the data guy, like Tank yeah. from the Matrix? It's like teaching an app that they'll need to use. Like that, more. That, that's exactly it. You know? Okay. All right. Cool. Well, that seems low-key. Like you wouldn't necessarily get into a shootout in the parking lot. Uh, not necessarily. Didn't look for But one. you got to deal with Time Warner. <laughs> Huh? That's a pain in the ass. So, I'll take ISIS over Time Warner any day. <laughs> uh, so what what were you before you got into the FBI? How like how how old were you when you realized you wanted to get into law enforcement? Uh, I think when I wore my Roy Rogers uh, six gun. Oh, when you were a tr- when you were a kid. When I no, well, actually, no, it wasn't really until I, after I graduated from Ohio State, and I thought, uh, what do you do with a degree in political science and the Ohio State Police, they were hiring at the time, and mm-hmm. law enforcement was something I was always uh, at least mildly interested in. I joined. I immediately found that I, I loved the work, I, and I found that I had an aptitude for it. So I stayed with the Ohio State Police. Then I went to What does that mean process. you had an aptitude for it? What do you, what do you mean? Like, were you a patrol guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was a cruiser jockey, and then I became uh, a detective. That sounds dirty. Doesn't cruiser jockey <laughs> sound, sound like... A cruiser sound, jockey sounds like a, a it sounds illegal. prostitute. Yeah, it sounds like illegal. <laughs> that hangs outside of racetracks. So when you say you had aptitude, like, you, you were comfortable stopping people and being like, you know... Let me see your license and registration. Well, because I, I, I couldn't even just say it just now. Yeah, I did that, but where I found a home was in the investigative work. So, oh, so you got you became a detective and I found be- that you had that's an even more obvious skill set. Yes, or, yeah. yeah, it was, and I specialized in white collar crime. I did it uh, fairly successfully, and and then I took my cases to the county prosecutor's office. They liked my work. They hired me, mm-hmm. and. Then in that capacity, I worked with the FBI, and they liked my work, and they said, "Why don't you?" Be one of us. What's what's the most common white collar crime in Ohio? Like, what are they? What were they doing back then? Like insurance fraud? Uh, yeah, we did insurance fraud. We had a. Uh, what's the craziest uh, case where you were like, you knew this guy did something that was like really pre? Uh, what's it called? Pre premeditated. Premeditated. Yeah. Uh, well, we had a very interesting arson fraud case, and it was by a preacher, and we called <gasps> it the case of the sneaking deacon. <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh, arson and insurance scams on Long Island are called Jewish lightning. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Or Greek lightning if it's a deacon. Well, they don't have deacons, so they'd be yet. called the sneaking deacon. Okay. So he's a sneaking deacon. Greek, Greek if it was in Astoria. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know you're, I know you're in New York now. <laughs> so, okay. So this guy, what was he doing, this preacher? Well, he, very simply, I mean, he burned his house down. Or the, really? The, the parsonage, yeah. Yeah. And he burned it down to get the insurance money for the church or for himself? Well, for contents, uh, which were his oh, own, his own uh, contents. He's like, yeah, it's seven DVD players. That is <laughs> – I mean, you hear about all these, like, sexual deviations that the preachers are into, and you go, that's wrong. But that feels particularly not like what a preacher is supposed to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not saying the sex well, thing yeah, isn't. Say, what, let's not what categorize which is, is better or which is What worse. I'm saying is that, like, that's such a materialistic, like – Lame, oh, yeah. superficial thing to do. Like a sex thing is like a deep. You're born f- screwed up, and you you know you, you you probably became a preacher to get you know. It's like a yeah. whole like other can of worms. But a preacher that just wants to make some money off his rental insurance just seems feels, like a really feels really like have weird. some faith, give it up to God. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? What He'll do you, provide. What do you need? <laughs> yeah, what do you need? <laughs> you so what? What did? How'd you catch him? Did he claim a burning bush took the parsonage? And then <laughs> you're like, you know, that's not real, right? I, I, I like that. No. Uh, we had uh, pretty successful interviews with him, and uh, plus uh, just an awful lot of good physical evidence, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he wasn't smart about it, is what you're saying? Uh, 
No, I mean, even when people think that uh, they're going to destroy <laughs> the physical evidence by fire, there, there's still an awful lot that, that's yeah. left, if you know what to look the for. The fire was started with all those uh, nativity candles. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like so obvious. <laughs> they're just like all leaning in towards each other with yeah. a little glass. Wait, so you then did some work for the uh, county prosecutor or the state prosecutor or whatever, and then you entail start working with FBI guys there and they said you should join the FBI I was recruited by the bureau and I that's got to feel nice and and I'd worked with them and so I I knew what the work was like and I knew what I was getting into and then it was just a matter of uh Filing the application and waiting my turn Now the whole reason you're here is cuz John thought about being an FBI agent and he got so, hey, as I, far as I still can't. I'm only 33. I know it's true. He's young. He can still do it. Um it was one of those childhood I I, I imagined it was all like hostage negotiations and like repelling and shooting sniper and, rifles and at uh, people. B- um, body armor. Body armor. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of body tactical armor. gear. You're like, I'm gonna have to deal with the <laughs> mo- limited movement of all the yeah. bulletproof vests. I'm I think wear. I like only knew about the hostage rescue team in my head, the HRT, and yeah. I wanted to do that. And I was like, well, I'll get into the FBI using my smarts, and then from there, <laughs> I'll be able to. And now I am a not even a successful comedian, <laughs> and yeah, I've been doing that for 12 years. Now you make up stories about bananas. <laughs> yeah. on Nightly basis, but we were talking about how you know most of his idea of what a, an FBI agent was came from obviously John, well John Clancy novels <laughs> yeah. and then TV and movies. And so what we, we both the scene we both are familiar with is uh, the FBI always seems to come in and say this is our case now get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, this is our crime the, scene now, boys. Yeah. yeah. Now you say you worked with the bureau. Is it? much more cooperative than they make it look like in the movies and if that's true why do they always have that conflict in tv and movies uh yes it's much much more uh cooperative it is every so who made it because it's like every time the fbi shows up in a movie they're always like get out of my crime scene yeah well it well first of all it sells it adds to the drama Mm. uh it's it's one of these false narratives that just gets perpetuated it's it's pretty absurd well now have you ever had to deal with an inadequate police force that was over their heads in a case and you were like "Uh, I don't know how to say this but you are not smart enough to deal with what I'm going to do uh, sure. I've dealt with uh, agencies that uh, were challenged in terms of their, let, let's say, their ability to handle uh, uh, physical evidence. And w- mm-hmm. the FBI has uh, extremely well-trained uh, people. It's called the Evidence Response Team, and they will assist local law enforcement uh, when, let's say, uh, a body that's been in the ground for uh six months or a year or something mm-hmm. like that and the FBI ERT will come in and assist the local law enforcement even though it's never going to be a federal case and extricating the body right the FBI yeah. will assist because it's super gross ev- it's, it's gross yeah <laughs> and the FBI specializes in gross yeah stuff. yeah like, I think it's too just, gross for you guys it's just a slightly I feel like in those movies it should be like this is our crime scene now and the local cops should be like oh okay thank god Good, you guys was about to you puke. guys have way more money way more of yeah, us that's, what, that's yeah. what you think did you have any romantic ideas about what the FBI I might be well for, well first of all uh, you guys grew up in a very different era so you knew the FBI is one thing I I grew up when Ephraim Zimbalist uh, Jr. was the uh, FBI agent he was, right of uh, course he was Inspector Erskine Who's and so a, that wait, was, I don't know what we don't know is. anything that you're talking about there you go <laughs> <laughs> I'm wildly intrigued considering yeah. I know nothing we're, so, we're still talking about the FBI right <laughs> yes we okay. are well for instance when I came in we had 32 men 8 women in my class uh, There, but there was a time when women weren't uh, they weren't allowed to be uh, hired as special agents at all yeah when the FBI was effective yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god take that <laughs> Take that, women. Yeah. Okay, so... We are far better with them. But 32 and 8, and what year was this when it was your class was 32 and 8? This was in 83. That's when... 83, okay. That's when I came in as an agent, yes. All right. So, I'm sorry, if they they come to you, you're working with the, uh, the DA, and they're like... Hey, we want you to join. So does that mean you apply and then wait to hear and then you go down to Quantico? Is that What did that entail? Where is Quantico? Uh, Quantico, Virginia. It's about uh, 35 miles directly south of Washington, D.C. off mm-hmm. of I-95. It's That's a, just for our listeners that don't know. Yeah, it's on I, the, I knew where it was. Yeah, it's on the Quantico uh, Marine Corps base. Okay. 
And the, the FBI has a longstanding, excellent relationship with the Marine Corps, and our our facility is on their base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what was that? What was that training entail? Because that's what, what. Yeah. That even though I don't think I have any of the other aptitude to be a special agent, like uh, intelligence or focus or any of that stuff, I knew my limiting factor was physical. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm curious so what that training was like. You're hard to picture as a silent assassin, John. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm a, more of a bull in a china shop. Yeah. 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 Unless, unless the assassination is taking place underwater, I feel like you're going to have a hard time sneaking up on people. Uh, is there I'm a lot very of fast in the pool? Thank are you? you. Thank you. <laughs> are you? Uh, is there a lot of physical demand on the in the training? Oh yeah, yeah. The well, first of all, you go through uh, about uh, five months of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 20, wow, 20, 20 weeks, and you concentrate on how rigorous is it? Like you waking up at uh, what time? It's rigorous. Yeah. yeah, you you would be challenged, John. <laughs> <laughs> so would he. He doesn't know anything about you, and he said he'd be challenged. Julie, I think it's safe to assume most people would be. Yeah, mo- most people would be. I, yeah. sir, I so was. when do you wake up in the when do they get you up in the morning? Is it like a like a drill sergeant? Kind of situation? Oh no, no. I, I mean, there are regular hours, but then uh, let's say eight to, eight to five. But mm-hmm. then uh, you may be doing some surveillance uh, training, and it's uh, and it can be an all ninety matter. Well, oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and uh, you can be called out at any point and to respond to something, and then you have to be prepared and just uh, go act on it. But there's primarily three areas of training. One is physical fitness, one is firearms, one is academics. Mm-hmm. So are, do you guys are all living on the base together? Oh, yeah. You're required to live there. Yeah. What and was that, the physical yeah. requirement? What was the physical uh, training? Well, well there are five, there's five areas that they test you in. For instance, uh, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and then two different kind of running events. One is a two-mile run, and the other is a shuttle run, which basically tests for speed and agility. Mm-hmm. Is there a uh, how many chicken wings you can eat in an hour? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just say there's a special case where we need to get to the bottom of this all-you-can-eat wing fiasco. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's... that's- I, I Honestly, there was a period of time when I was coming up with... Uh, secret like with missions that I would possibly be the right guy to go yeah, to yeah, and I they were literally that. like I could go undercover in a toy store yeah, a, <laughs> uh, a bar yeah um, okay and then firearms uh, is it just a pistol or what do they teach you uh, you shoot everything that the every weapon in the FBI arsenal Ooh, what's that? So that could be anything from a, a standard uh, six-hour or Glock uh, semi-automatic pistol. You will shoot a shotgun. You'll shoot, uh, let's say, an MP5 uh, semi-automatic or auto- fully automatic uh, uh, firearm. What about like a shoe that looks like a shoe, but then it's a gun? Uh, Is we, that? Am I thinking of the right thing? I think you're thinking of Get Smart. Yeah, was that FBI? <laughs> I think those were. F- that was. What were they? What department was that? I forget what they were called. Weren't they Smart? Shoot. Gun shoes. That's why they're called gun shoes, right? Gun shoes. (laughs) All right. Okay. Uh, No, but you never. There was no like a tricky alternative weapon. It's all basically like we did. We did get to shoot the uh, uh, Thompson submachine gun, which is what they used back in the. uh, That's the Elliot Ness era. Yeah. Oh wow. So that was the one thing. The Tommy gun. You got to shoot a Tommy gun in 1983. You never know when that comes up. (laughs) You know when you when because you might have to shoot the 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 letters FBI into a wall after you uh, (laughs) defeat your. Yeah. yeah. Tell well, them the FBI came for him. Welcome to the FBI. Here's your violin case with a machine gun in it. Here's your fake mustache and your violin case. During any of these, the physical, the, the gun part or the academic part, did you ever go, uh oh, I don't know if I'm doing this? No. I, ne- uh, me personally, no. Never never once. How many people, so you were for, there were 40 people in your class. Right. And how many people ideally get into the program? All 40? Or is it like a, a weeding out situation? Well, all the weeding out uh, already ho- took place. Hopefully went, yeah, that uh, transpired before you ever got there. Once you get there, they want you to get through. And mm-hmm. out of 40 in our class, 38 uh, made it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you remember the two that didn't? I do, yeah. What was, could you tell day one those, those two? Are the two the biggest criminals in America. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everything they learned. That's the, that's the plot behind uh, the new show Quantico, which we were uh, referencing earlier. <laughs> which is a sponsor earlier. of your podcast. Yes, <laughs> obviously. The, um, but, that, but the idea is that they get, they get through this rigorous uh, FBI uh, thing. I don't know. Do you watch the show? I, I've seen it a couple times. It's, oh, you have? Then you've seen it more than I have. Uh, but it's about a guy that is like an undercover terrorist. Is that the idea? Uh, I believe it is, yeah. Now I'm asking you about this. <laughs> yeah. uh, so 
you shoehorned Quantico into the conversation and are now asking <laughs> other people about Quantico. <laughs> it's nothing like the Quantico I went through. Okay, all right. Um, what it, what is the FBI's jurisdiction? We were trying to yeah. we were trying to figure out like when you joined the FBI, were you like this is here's what I, the mission I'd like to be doing when I get out? Mm-hmm. And then what did you end up doing, and how did that differ? I'm just curious. Uh, well, first of all, the FBI jurisdiction is the most extensive of any. Uh, federal law enforcement. That's agency. what I was afraid of. Yeah, very extensive, anywhere from white collar crime to uh, kitty porn cases to organized crime, foreign counterintelligence, uh, drug investigation. Oh, I thought you said porn counterintelligence. <laughs> I was like, wait, I did find my specialty. <laughs> we gotta- Can you look at a porn video and name all actors in TP and not? To- <laughs> no, foreign counterintelligence. But here's the problem: yeah. foreign counterintelligence sounds like CIA to me. What the FBI does, uh, if there is a suspected spy, for instance, mm-hmm. it's the FBI's jurisdiction to conduct that investigation. Really? Yes. Uh, because they're on American soil? Right. And the CIA primarily operates on uh, foreign soil. So the CIA goes, hey, I think we have a spy here. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> He's like uh, this tall with like, like We're the hair. idea, guys. You get, you get it done. And the FBI will run with that one, yeah. But but it is very extensive uh, uh, investigative jurisdiction, whereas other agencies, they have real specialties. But usually the FBI also has jurisdiction in what whatever they do, let's say ATF for mm-hmm. explosive matters, uh, DEA for drugs. But the FBI also has jurisdiction in both those arenas. Yeah. When you say some have really more specific uh uh, jurisdictions, ATF comes to mind because their name is Alcohol, Tobacco, <laughs> yeah. Firearms. That seems like such an archaic name at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Are they still a thing? Yeah, they're still a they're thing. Still they thing sound, but they, it's mostly it's They just sound like NASCAR security. Right. <laughs> Alcohol, Tobacco, Tobacco <laughs> Firearms sounds like a party in the Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think what we're fascinated by from the outside are the personalities that the government goes, oh, this guy is the guy. Does that actually happen where they where like there's a guy from your class that exceeds all expectations and they go, hey, do you want to be in this like super secret thing? Or does that not really happen so much? Can you be a star in the FBI, I guess is what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for for instance. And do you the, hate that guy from your class? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was that guy. Oh. Were you really? <laughs> no. We got him. We no. booked him. Jim Sheehan. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> No, but uh, for instance, I you know I know the fellow who infiltrated uh, the mob in New York City a uh, couple decades ago. Uh, his name was Joe Pistone. Mm-hmm. Um, movies have been done about it. A lot has been said. Which books, wait, books wait, which written. guy is he? How do we know him? Do we know him? Uh, Johnny Depp played. Donnie oh, he's Donnie Brasco. He knows Donnie Brasco. <laughs> Donnie Brasco. Yeah. We were saying that John could have uh, possibly been Donnie Brasco's fat friend yeah. in, uh, in that investigation. My, my only chance of being an FBI agent would be undercover as a fat mob. <laughs> Because I, I look Italian and have the New York yeah. accent. And then as soon as you, they ask you to kill somebody, you'd be like, ah, just, yeah, I, I don't feel know. a lot of Let's soft. just make fun of them. Yeah. There, there would be a place for you, John. Uh, yeah? So you knew that guy? I, oh, sure. Yeah, I knew yeah. him. Yeah. And yeah. He's, was he an act? Like, how do they find out what your aptitude is to be able to do something like that? Well, clearly, for to work undercover, especially very long-term and deep undercover, yeah, you have you gotta to. you got to be a psycho. You have to. I wouldn't say no psycho, offense. but you have to have a certain personality that's going and uh, family situation. And you have to cer- you have to have a certain kind of wife that's, that's pretty gonna, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's going to allow you to to do that job effectively. And, right. and he was extraordinarily effective at, at doing that job. Yeah. So, so, so okay. what was what, what did your spe- what did you end up doing? Uh, well, mine investigatively, mine was white collar crime. But then I got into the admit what is called the administrative program. So I became a supervisor, and I kind of rose through the ranks, uh, becoming uh, uh, managers along the way. What I'm noticing is that people that end up in jobs like this, like we think of it like, oh, this is my dream, and then I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to be an awesome FBI agent. And what actually people who actually have kind of the kind of like personalities that can do the job, they don't look at it like it's a dream like, a, like they don't they look like, at it like it's I, the this TV is how movie I can thing. help. Yeah. No, they yeah. just go. You just go. Oh, I'm good at these things, and and oh, do you guys want me to help you? Like that's basically. As far. You didn't go into the FBI thinking, oh, I'm going to take down, you know, 
uh, Wall Street or whatever. No, no, I didn't. I went there for the challenge. And uh, and when you're in law enforcement, I, I think if you look at the biggest and the best, uh, it's the FBI, and that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're already working in law enforcement and enjoying that, yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. It's like more could, of a pragmatic. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's like yeah. I might as well go to the the big leagues. So when do you? How often? Are there certain guys in the FBI that are that come face to face with the criminal more often than other guys? Like, you, it sounds like you went to the administrative way, and was there is that a choice you get to make where you go, no, I want to actually get break down doors and and uh, and look them in the eyes? Oh no, that's a, that's a choice that you make individually. Everybody starts out on the street, you know, the same as uh, we were talking a little while ago when I was a cruiser jockey, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you always start start out in uniform. Uh, in a in a black and white, and then from there you go into whatever specialty area that where you have interest. And mm-hmm. the same in the FBI, you start out as a as a, a street agent uh, working in whatever uh, area that you're asked to work in, and then you might decide, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do white collar anymore. I want to work gangs. And so yeah. Now, now you start working gangs, and you're working with uh, local uh, police and in task force environments. And uh, all that's playing. So gang work. activity is something the FBI gets involved with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like whatever is uh, there is already a division of something taken care of. FBI also does that. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, like the FBI has like its own like fire department. <laughs> like <laughs> we have some guys that go out and help put out fires. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> if the, if the fire seems like it's uh, organized or connected in any way. Um, um, so you just said there's a place for me. Is this a weird question? What? what yeah. What, what is John's place what, in the in the Donnie Brasco investigation? No, no. <laughs> Knowing what little you know about me, uh, Jim did mention he looked at my website before. Oh, I mean, really? Which made me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> but knowing what you know, what you know about me, or conclusions you could jump to by judging this book by its mm-hmm. cover. Yeah, you what, must be an excellent people reader. For example, I think that uh, one thing you you probably need to have is some intuitive ability, but then it's also something you're trained for to be a, a good listener, and you need to size people up and I, I don't yeah. mean physically but size people up uh, pretty quickly as far as is so you look person. John in the eyes and you know what he's made of yeah is he telling me the truth is he lying to me what's the guy's motive etc so uh, I, I, I actually think I have uh, some of that skill set well yeah we, that's the one skill set we all share in yeah. this room I think <laughs> yeah. is that we can like, read I, people I feel as a comedian and dealing with interact interacting with people <clears> and but I think I'm good at it because I have to do it and I'm from stage you know yeah. with a bunch of drunks but, but like if could, I actually you could do that you know at parties like when, when you hang out with your wife's friends that aren't comedians, you're yeah, like, but it's you're like I I got this guy pegged. I know exactly what he's up to. I know what this girl, you know. Yeah, I definitely feel like that. But I also feel like what he's t- what they come up against are people that are trying to hide that. Right, right. About that's themselves. the other. Yeah, yeah. And that's a very different. <laughs> that's, like, can I tell if this guy's a monster or not? Yeah. Is a very different. We interact uh, with a number of sociopaths as comedians. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, um, what we do have in common, we're in the people business. Uh, you deal with the. Generally, a different kind than the, what the FBI does. Yeah. yeah, paying customers versus criminals. Very often, and mm-hmm. usually deal with very uh, evil people. Yeah. So let me ask you that: Do you believe? Did, did your career in law enforcement, much like I would ask this of like a, an exotic dancer, did it change your view of humanity working there? Like, do you feel like you're a much more cynical person now than you may have been if you hadn't gotten into the law enforcement? I wouldn't say cynical. I'd say perceptive. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't invent the world. I just understand, uh, the, I, I think, what motivates the bad guys to be the way they are. Do, do you? And what is it? Well, it depends on, yeah, what the criminal activity is. I mean, if if it's a uh, sexual assault, that's one thing. Yeah, that's different. I mean, uh, but if it's uh, white-collar crime, then it's basically it's greed. Yeah. yeah. And also, off, more often than not, these bad guys don't think what they're doing is bad. They're just doing what they think do you, they need to do. Do they have, have a lot of self-awareness, do you think? Or do you think they, they uh, rationalize that they're not actually bad guys to themselves? Oh. Or are they like, I'm a bad guy? Because I feel like a more effective bad guy knows he's a bad guy and is un fettered by it you know he's just like well i feel like it's just that case of like you dip your toe in a little bit and you pull it out and no well, one well that's says the guy anything. that gets caught yeah, yeah yeah you know oh there well there's extraordinary rationalization mm-hmm. uh especially if you deal with you know deviance and, and sexual deviance uh, uh yeah it's it's unbelievable how their minds work yeah. yeah i could rationalize 
anything that I need to make. I'm amazing at it. I'm so good at being like, I'm supposed to be eating healthy, but it's like, well, today is actually a good day to be disgusting. But the guys that like, (laughs) like I'll make up so many excuses for like a white collar crime. Like I'm going to, I'm going to burn this building. Well, that's not really arson's not necessarily white collar crime. (laughs) White collar crime is like, I'm going to take a penny from every person in America. Well, if you're doing it, if you're doing it for fraudulent purposes, it's white collar. If you do it, but but really it's a destroyed. I I mean, it's really a violent crime. It's a, it's a physical crime. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're destroying, you're destroying uh, property so did you deal with uh wall street at all uh not much at that point uh what was the case you saw the most often in in white collar well you see an awful lot of business opportunity frauds a lot of scams ponzi schemes etc what ended up being your uh focus like or uh because i know the fbi can get so specific you said you went into like the administrative and management side but what what were you overseeing in those in those situations what were you doing well, years ago in, in Los Angeles, I had a couple different squads. I ran the healthcare fraud squad for a while, and then I switched to what was called the major case squad, where we uh, we investigated incidents of uh, kidnappings, uh, con- contract murders, yeah. extortion cases. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went to New York City as a, an assistant special agent in charge, and I ran the whole violent crime program in New York City. Oh, wow. Now, kidnapping, that's something that gets – portrayed constantly in tv and movies but does it happen as much as is there a lot of kidnapping going on ransom kind of situations uh the probably the most challenging are the ransom demand kidnappings yeah that's what we're talking about yeah Yeah. and especially if you have one of those involving do you feel those are portrayed realistically on camera or no I've seen them portrayed realistically, and I've seen other inc- incidents where they were just outrageous. They got it all wrong, but it's yeah. the story they wanted to tell. You I feel like Denzel Washington. If he's involved, it's pretty real. Yeah. <laughs> Man on fire is pretty much a real Yeah, that's, that's real. Uh, so you, then you went to New York and were the assistant in major major crimes. And what and what was what's going on there? What was like some of the stuff you dealt with there? This was around 9-11 as well, right? That you were in New York? Yeah, I was in New York during, during 9-11. You were? I was, yeah. How did your life change after 9-11 happened, like the, the next day? Well, for extraordinarily and immediately, and uh, un, uh, very unfortunately, and I, I know this is a comedy show, but uh, what's not funny is one of my agents was killed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, his name is Lenny Hatton, and Lenny was on one of my squads, the Joint Bank Robbery uh, Task Force, where FBI agents would team up with NYPD detectives to – investigate bank robberies, but uh, uh, anyhow, uh, Lenny was in Tower 1 when it went down, and so we lost Lenny. Was he working? Uh, He was on the job. He was working, yeah. Investigating a bank robbery? Uh, Well, what was happening is Lenny was driving down West Side Highway that day along the Hudson River. Mm -hmm. He he lived in New Jersey, so he crosses the GW Bridge, goes south on West Side Highway, and as he's coming down, he sees this huge explosion in Tower 1. Uh, which immediately catches his eye, but he didn't see the plane go into it. He just saw an explosion. Yeah. So he immediately reported there. Uh, to help. To, to oh, help. so he just went down there. Yeah, yeah to help out. And uh, he, of, of course, told us what was going on as he's, radi- he's radioing yeah. to us what, what's happening. And at that point, nobody, of course, knows. Knew what was going on. No, yeah. Knows it's a terrorist attack. And he responds and <clears throat> he ends up helping the firefighters because Lenny, in addition to being an FBI agent, was also a volunteer fire department in his yeah. community <laughs> in New Jersey. So when they – guys like that – plus Lenny was a bomb technician, an FBI bomb technician. <laughs> so for oh, all those man. reasons, it gets his attention. He goes. Yeah. He's in Tower 1 when it goes down. Oh, man. I'm oh. sorry to hear about that. But, yeah. but what, does the government were say working, we're only working on – finding information about how this happened was that like a, a memo that came through or whatever the next day well clearly it's it's understood when you have something as catastrophic uh, an event as that and and plus the fbi has uh, primary jurisdiction in terrorism matters so uh no matter what you were doing uh, for it's the done. fbi in new york city everything is on hold because everybody now is focused on the counterterrorism investigation yeah. at hand was it like if you worked in major crimes they're like guys we're all just full court press on oh this. Yeah, yeah yeah that's probably what I'm curious. Yeah. yeah it was it, it was a full court press by everybody not to mention that we had tremendous assistance from every law enforcement agency because everybody just wanted to help yeah. and uh, we ended up uh, our, our building we couldn't even get into our building at 26 Federal Plaza because it had sucked in so much of the debris from uh, the towers because they were so close 
in, uh, yeah. in proximity. So we couldn't use our building. We had to move our entire headquarters up to our auto facility on west side highway like a garage garage and <laughs> wow then, then we moved our uh, entire 600 uh man uh lead uh investigative lead operation over to the aircraft carrier in the hudson the uss and Trevor. whoa so it was so let me ask you chaotic this. once the thing was all said and done did you end up catching the guy I'm just kidding. We shot us out of We got him. Yeah. Imagine you missed that part of the news. Yeah. Jim's like, yeah. Hey, did they ever find out it was behind all that? I uh, think we did. Okay, so Jim, you said you were in uh, White Collar Crime. There's, a, Are you familiar with the show White Collar? It's a show about FBI agents. No, you aren't. Excellent. Not, okay. Not. So I'm going, this is a game, and I'm going to ask, and you can play along too, John, unless you are a big white collar fan. I'm not a big white collar. I just know it's got that that hot dude is the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from Magic Mike XXL. Oh, really? Oh, that's where he's from. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read you uh, a case, an FBI case, and you have to tell me if it really happened in the history of of the FBI annals or if it's a plot line from the show White Collar. (laughs) Can you do that, do you think? I can try. (laughs) All right. So the first one, has the FBI ever incorporated a clairvoyant to see if their powers could be used for an FBI investigation? John, do you think that ever happened really or was that a, a... I think thing that in, I think that truly did happen. You think that did happen? Yes, that, yes. that a guy claimed he could see through walls, and then the FBI was like, "We could use this." Yeah, or pro, uh, whatever projected vision, whatever they call yeah. that. Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah. Do you think they ever really yes. did that? They did. Yes. Do you know the case? I know the FBI has done it. Yeah. No. The, no. The FBI really did. This guy uh, in 1957, William Foose, began pretending to read through walls, and the FBI went and like, <laughs> this is my favorite part. Uh, they were like, if this is possible, we can't deny that this would be helpful to us in our investigation. I think that's like... <laughs> Which makes sense. Right. You know? And I then, love... By the way, I have a very soft spot in my heart for stuff like this. Uh, like, you know, like the FBI or someone reached out to David Fincher to help uh, oh, brainstorm yeah, yeah. possible ways to like think outside the box. How could we be attacked? And right. let's think about them. I love shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, the ghost army in World War II. So they went... And they had him come, and, and so all the FBI agents and CIA agents sat in a room with this guy, and he did elaborate card tricks, <laughs> but they became suspicious when he wouldn't tell them how he could do it. <laughs> so they I were like, like... When was this? The 50s? 1957, I'm yeah. picturing 1950s FBI agents, you know, glasses, white short sleeve shirts, yeah. cigarettes, going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm like the and most he's cons- going, is this your car? And they're like, son <laughs> of a bitch, we got to get this guy on the force. Probably more of the conservative type American dudes doing that in the late 50s. Yeah, going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This fucking guy doing his magic. <laughs> I want him gone. We got we, we got to bust gangsters. Uh, so okay, that was real. Um, here's another one. The FBI sent an agent undercover as a Wall Street stock trader to bust an underground boxing circuit where the traders were actually fighting each other for inside information about stock stuff. Is that a plot line from White Collar, or did that really happen? Did the FBI have to actually investigate something like that. Well, I can believe the Bureau did that, sure. Oh, yeah? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I would say it sounds like a white-collar... at the uh, Sounds like a, uh, a plot line from white-collar. The last line of, they were fighting for stock tips. It yeah. sounds makes it sound fake. Here's, here's uh, Jim, on your, t- to your credit, to be fair to you, uh, I believe that if that was going on, the FBI should be investigating <laughs> yes, that. Yes. That sounds highly illegal. <laughs> But I don't. The part that's hard to believe is the actual fighting for stock trading tips. <laughs> I can imagine um, that a bunch of meathead millionaires saw Fight Club and started fighting in yeah, the basement at work. But they weren't actually like actually like you know prizes. trading stock. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Well, so in, in, in furtherance of the undercover scheme, that's what you have to get that information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And it would help to have a guy that could see through walls for something like that. What, what the FBI? But anyway, yeah, that was a plot line from True from White Collar. So it's yes. a pretty good show. Is what we're also learning. <laughs> Long story short, yeah. please watch White Collar every okay. Wednesday. At- this one amazing okay a Ku Klux Klan member designed a weapon of mass destruction and the FBI sent in undercover guys to to infiltrate the KKK to determine this guy was going to assassinate the president with a weapon he was designing in his garage did the FBI actually send two agents to infiltrate the KKK and stop this guy's plot to kill the president or is that a, a plot line from white collar I think it's real you think that's real oh I believe it could be real sure but do you think it's real? At that time, the 
uh, well, depending on, uh, give me a time frame because weapon the, of mass destruction. The FBI happened. didn't do a lot of undercover. Uh, well, white collar takes place currently, so this would be uh, <laughs> happening right now. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, really? Sure. It could, okay. It could happen now, but forty years ago, probably not. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure. We don't have a year on this, but it did happen. <laughs> The FBI had to send in. I don't know how hard it is to infiltrate the KKK. That must be so it's funny. Like, Hi, I'm white. Hey, <laughs> Come on, hey, in. books are for dummies. <laughs> and uh, well, here's here's a question. Colors don't care for. Them. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about black people? Yeah. I'm on the fence. Come on in. <laughs> You're welcome to the. K- Hear uh, us out. Um, no, this I guy was, was actually designing a, a huge uh, weapon, and uh, they they were able to shut it down they infiltrated the kkk shut this guy down and it turns out that if he had been able to use it it probably would have worked wow yeah i had they stopped it i have a follow-up. it doesn't say which president it was do you know <laughs> obama. well it was obama it was current well that would make sense oh right of course <laughs> why else would the kkk like they're gonna try to kill nixon <laughs> okay um Glad we can have a good laugh about the yeah. <laughs> trying to kill our <laughs> president. Well, it's funny because the FBI is so good. That's not going to happen. Here's my question: Do you think the FBI? And I guess this question's for Jim. But mm-hmm. uh, do they do preemptive undercover work where it's like? Look, I don't know let's, if the Ku Klux Klan is up to bad thing, cult. but we should send a couple of guys to. Oh. We should send a black dude to be in the Black Panthers because who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because like all, all these domestic groups that are not necessarily terrorist groups, but mm-hmm. lean could lean in that direction. Yeah, how close is your surveillance of groups that are considered, uh, you know, groups of interest or whatever? And are you allowed to tell us? Yeah. Well, the first thing you have to know is that the FBI is part of the U.S. Department of Justice. And so the, you, you look at what are called DOJ investigative guidelines. And so to open any kind of investigation, you have to have a good reason to do that. Yeah, all right. So you can't uh, do okay. it for preemptive. Yeah. So you can't just do it because they're like, they're wearing black trench coats and that's real scary. Right, right. Because yeah, that, w- That's not good enough. No, you, you need articulable facts mm-hmm. uh, and supported by other empirical evidence to – even launch an investigation and uh, then you have different kinds of sensitive investigative techniques that you can employ uh, but again, you have to meet certain criteria before you can even do that, such as uh, wiretaps, for instance. Right. You can't just like send someone to be part of a Black Lives Matter protest just to see what's going on. Or uh, shit might what, go down. what was the one in Occupy Wall Street? You can't like send yeah, yeah. just in case these guys, some of them oh, like, are more anarchists. Like a roving Burning Man was going to do anything. Right. Well, I, I had heard that there was some dude who was like hanging out who was like one of the most vocal members of uh-huh. Occupy Wall Street down there. And it turned out like after the fact, he was like, undercover or at least like a journalist or something but he yeah. was instigating things like more than anyone else oh, like, yeah. isn't that crazy to imagine like these scumbag Occupy Wall Street people are actually being led by someone who's anti-Occupy well talk Wall- about people that just want a leader Jesus <laughs> I mean I, I, if, it didn't, if, it, if five cults didn't <laughs> spring out of that group I'm, I'd be surprised let me ask do you feel a personal because you focus on white collar stuff do you feel a personal uh, failure in your heart that Scientology beat the IRS <laughs> Because I have no affiliation with the IRS, and I I hate that. <laughs> are we are we are we deep into Scientology? The FBI? We're a we now. John and I. We're all. You're retired. You're on a yeah. podcast. We're going we. Yeah. Uh, we are, we, we have started our own, we have started our own independent uh, investigation. They got to be keeping. There's got to be a lot of people working on that. This is on you because of the money. I, I don't have any comment on any of that. That's a yes. They are deep. He's working for. They're them. deep. They're like right next to Miscavige right now, and he can't talk about it. When you go to a bar, right? When you were when you were, did you, do you drink? Do you go to? I'm Irish. <laughs> so I'm glad you're the only one that's allowed to make that joke. I was going to be like Jim Sheehan. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, yeah. Like drink every now and then. <laughs> oh, Jim Sheehan and law enforcement. Uh, here's my problem. I'm terrible with boundaries, so I'm just going to ask you about this. I just watched an episode of Anthony Bourdain's show uh, where he went to Koreatown and they talked about the Rodney King riots and about how the LAPD just like left Koreatown. To its own devices to defend. Did that really happen? Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do have no boundaries. No, no, no. Uh, that is, I've heard that. Yeah, that, that there was like shooting. a perimeter that yeah. the police were like, well, we won't let them out of this perimeter, which does, I guess, in like a, in a weird, you know, abstract way make sense. But then then they showed all these like can- uh, footage that I've never seen before of like Koreans with shotguns on top of their stores just like. Defending their. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Do you understand? I, I remember seeing. Uh, I remember seeing that film at eleven. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the problem with him being Irish. He could have been on the street during all this, and his reaction is like, ah, I saw it on the news. Like, we'll never get the truth out of this guy if, we, if he doesn't want us to have it. It's impossible to get the truth out of an Irish person if they want to hide it. Um, let's Before we wrap it up, I just want okay. to see, where could you place me in the FBI? Like, yeah, yeah, where's it, John in the FBI? Where could you, if you had to use John. Let's say the guy that owns the FBI, John's his uncle, his uh, nephew. Yeah, he's like, my, my, my nephew. It's here, like anyone? a Tommy Boy kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, I get recruited out of nowhere to be in the FBI. What 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 could what I remotely do be useful for? I, I think you would, uh, you, you'd fit in as a money man in uh, maybe a, uh, drug cartel. Oh, okay. Oh, or a, or a mob uh, LCN. So go so like, undercover with those. So not guys? a not a button man, but more like a like he holds the he holds the bag. Yeah, I'd be the guy. I'd be the. This is what I always imagine. I'd be the FBI agent who's your contact in Cuba when you show up. And yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you're wearing in a Hawaiian, Hawaiian shirt, shirt, and I'm like drinking rum, and I'm like, uh, Jim, I haven't just, seen you in a while, brother. Yeah, and it's just you and a lady. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, no, you know. <laughs> you just point them into the direction of the criminals, and you're like, well, that's where they're at. So I'll uh, be back at the yeah. bar. I got to keep my rep up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So I'd be a bag man. I could go undercover as a bag man. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything? Um, I feel like I could be a door breacher for. A <laughs> you mean like the thing they used to bang, yeah. bang down doors? <laughs> yeah, because John's back to the HRT thing again. Yeah, right? I'm obsessed with the HRT. Yeah. It's the hostage rescue team. Those guys. Yeah, yeah. Are, those guys are like uh, the the tactical badasses of FBI. They they would be the ultimate, uh, the FBI's ultimate SWAT team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're very, very good at what they do, and uh, they have former, a lot of former military in there as well. Do they use uh, that, you know, scene you see all the time in movies and stuff where the guy's like holding a hostage and then they snipe him in the head. Is that how, is that the protocol or do they try to avoid, or is that like something they never try to do? Well, that's the last thing you want to do. Uh, you, you try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. And, and what you really want to do is you want, you want to give your crisis negotiators, your hostage negotiator opportunity to work and give them an op- opportunity. But if it looks like somebody's life is truly in danger. You got to take the shot. You got to take the shot. You ever shoot the hostage? Pop quiz. <laughs> tango down. No. Speed. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying tango down is what you say when you shoot someone. Uh, <laughs> At least in, the, in movies. Tango down. Did you ever see Speed? <laughs> I didn't. You didn't see Speed? I didn't. And that one, they, uh, Keanu Reeves is a loose cannon uh, FBI guy. Or and, SWAT. Yeah, much, yeah. And he, SWAT. His thing is, if he's if you're if you're holding a hostage, he shoots the hostage. And then the guy's like, whoa, you shot my hostage. And then they shoot the guy. And it ends up being his, his buddy, Jeff D. Daniels is being held hostage oh, and yeah. shoots him in the leg. In the le- we're talking about in the leg here. We're not talking about, you know. Anyway, you should see Speed. It's a good movie. There's a bus. So um, This is my other podcast where we yeah. talk about Speed. Listen, Jim, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I think, uh, John, do you, have you rethought it? Do you think you want to get into the FBI? I don't know if I can handle uh, five months of training. <laughs> just the first also, part? Also, as much as I like fetishize guns, I don't think I could actually shoot one with any regularity or skill. Or know. like intent to hurt somebody with Oh, it. never. Yeah. <laughs> that part, never. Oh, you mean the only reason you draw a gun is that you wouldn't be able to do it? Yeah, I'm a little bit of a softy. Yeah. Those. All right. Well, Jim, uh, if you ever want to come see us do comedy, that would be, would that, that'd be great if we just made him come to what our show. What if Jim switched careers after this and he wanted yeah, to do a comedy ever, podcast? You should do, uh, you should try doing stand-up. No, uh, well, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate My it. My pleasure. What are you doing with your time these days? I still work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't leave the game behind, right? No, you can't take the FBI out of the Irishman. No, it, it, it's a lot of uh, no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you feel as though you have a lot of talent left that uh, you want to, you know, put to use in some other capacity. So I still do uh, yeah. some work. I do some investigating, do some consulting, and then I uh, volunteer for a uh, an organization called the Society of Former Special Agents of the FBI. We have our own society. That sounds like poker. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds like poker and, poker and beer. That's another crawfish uh, boil. It's, it's, it's a good time. Uh, that's funny. Well, if you ever get bored, you can stream uh, Quantico, White Collar. These are all shows you should get involved in, Jim, and see how it's really done. Jim, that is the dream career. You can make a lot of money consulting for On FBI a show. TV that's shows, what you should do. Yeah. Thank you for that suggestion. Yeah, no <laughs> 
As if I, I've been trying. Uh, I've been Hollywood for 10 years. Oh, uh, well. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jim. Thank Appreciate you, it. Thank you, Julian. Thank you for your service. Oh, and thank you, John. Yes. And thank you. You're welcome for my service. Do you want to plug? Do you want to plug? Uh, what's your improv group, by the way? Um, I play with ASCAT a couple times a month at oh, okay. UCLA. Yeah. And uh, my podcast is called High and Mighty. Uh, right. Download it. I talk way more about guns on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey guys, thank you for listening to our first episode of the Don't Look Back podcast. Uh, that was John Gabris, the hilarious John Gabris, and Jim Sheehan, FBI agent Jim Sheehan. I think the one thing we learned is that if you interview a Irish man in his 50s, you're not going to get a lot out of him. Uh, <laughs> the guy, I don't think, expressed a single feeling. But that's okay. We knew that from The Departed. Uh, it was still a great conversation. I learned a lot about being an FBI agent. On behalf of the Don't Look Back podcast, I am Julian McCullough. Remember, don't look back. There's just too many mistakes back there. This is Tony Rodriguez. This is Carlos Santos. This is Riza Licea. And this is Oscar Montoya. When our powers combine, we are Spanish Aquí Presents. We have a brand new podcast here on Earwolf, bringing you the best of the best of lo mejor of the Latinx comedy. Join us every Tuesday as we chat about what's going on in our lives, Latinx culture, and ¿qué es lo que? Lo que no está picando. Lo que te pica. Don't worry, we'll tell you what that means if you listen. We'll also be joined by a new guest every single week. We'll get to know a little bit more about their lives. Every single week. Uh-huh. And then we'll make them sit back and watch us improvise their lives right back to them. Improvisation. <laughs> Spanish Aki Presents premieres July 16th. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Hold on, Spanish, Spanish Aki Presents. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.